We are through eight weeks of college football heading into week nine. Can you believe it? Some teams are just starting up. Some teams are six and seven games into their football schedule, just kind of an indicator of how the 2020 college football season is going. Maybe 2020 just in general. Welcome back to another episode of the QB Spotlight Podcast. I am Eric Henry, FIU beat writer for SB Nation, also co-managing editor of Underdog Dynasty. Alongside the guru, the man behind QB Spotlight, the reason that we are all here today, Mr. Stephen Hamner. Steve, how's it going, my man? Yeah, these, these are good, Eric. Another another good weekend of uh, college football, and we got to welcome the Mountain West back. Uh, however, it's still like 88, 90 degrees out here in Florida, so for everyone in cold states, uh, me and Eric are still in like tank tops and shorts, uh, but nevertheless, we're, we're enjoying football so far. How, how are things over, over there, Eric? Yeah, man, I'm over here across the bridge on the other side of the bay. It is going well over here, man. Steve, I will say this, you know, not to rub in the weather thing, but this is definitely the time when you enjoy living in Florida, right? I see snow out in the desert, snow out in Texas, uh, really chilly temperatures. I actually saw, Steve, really quick before we get into, uh, you know, the uh, college football weekend. I saw, unfortunately, because, you know, the way that uh, things are going with COVID, unfortunately, looks like we're uh, kind of regressing, so to speak, and that's also not a positive thing. But one of my friends from Chicago who, uh, posted that um, dine-in service is actually being restricted, but restaurants are still offering uh, outdoor seating. Ooh. And uh, my friend, I don't know if you've been to Chicago in uh, November, December, January, February. Mm-mm. I'm not sitting. I'm not sitting outside, man. No, no. Order to go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, man. Order that and hit the red line and go home. Uh, with uh, without further ado, we will jump into the quarterback play from Week Eight. Going to start with the American here. We've talked about a lot of these quarterbacks, so let's go and touch on just you know a couple uh, performances that really caught our eye. Desmond Ritter, you know, not necessarily the biggest output as far as a passer, but definitely dual threat. Buck 26 as a passer, but a buck 79 as a rusher and four total TDs. We're going to show love to the dual threats here. You don't have to be a guy who just slings it 40 times to get love on the QB Spotlight podcast. Steve, what did you see from Desmond Ritter? Right, yeah, so uh, 179 rushing yards on, I think, eight carries, and that's probably – I'm not sure if there are any sack yards taken away or what, but regardless, a very uh, impressive average uh, per carry. Uh, the biggest thing he took away – so, yes, the four rushing touchdowns he had – or four total touchdowns that he had, uh, one through the air and, and the rest on the ground. However, the thing that's been plugging Ritter the most throughout the beginning of the season, even though they've only had a few games and, you know, they, they've won – but he's had turnovers and has been very inconsistent. So while he had some flashy plays in the ground and showed his athleticism, the no turnovers for him was a big deal. And Grant, they would have beaten SMU even if he probably turned the ball over one or two times, it's because their defense is so solid and SMU couldn't do much on couldn't do much, you know, offensively. Uh, but but the fact that he didn't turn the ball over at once is a good sign for Cincinnati fans moving forward. Because with the defense they have, if you just don't turn the ball over, your, your chances of winning are pretty high in the American. Yeah, you know what? That's a really good point, especially the the tournament. And of course, you can say that about all of college football, but especially in the American when you got a lot of shootouts, you know. Steve, really quick. Yep. Yeah, you know, defense, uh, you can say across the nation and across football has been kind of a struggle over the past few years, especially with some of the rules that have gone into place and whatnot. But do you feel that especially in this COVID year where, I mean, it's hard to string together for some teams two and three practices, that defense is especially suffering? Yeah. I'll, I'll be blunt and keep it PG, but but like hell yes, like just look at the <laughs> the SEC who I know is not a conference we you know cover in the podcast, but you got freaking like over under totals at 70, 75, just like 
asinine things like Alabama has given up, you know, 30, 40 points to like the old misses of the world where like th- there's just not a lot of defense being played. And yes, you know, the rules play, play, a, uh, play a part in it, but I, I think you're spot on with the, the lack of practice probably isn't doing the defenses any help across all of college football. Steve, the amount of over-unders I've seen this year that are in, you know, the 60s and 70s, even the high 50s, it's just you can pretty much expect every game to be a shootout. So definitely agree with you there. What's up, Steve? Real real quick here on the over-under total. I know we'll get to this game later. If you had to guess right now, and I have it pulled up, what do you think the over-under is for the U of H UCF game this week? 79 and a half. Very close. It's eighty-two and a half. That's what oh, I'm understanding. Oh man, yeah. I, I could have I nailed it. I could have nailed that. Um, stick with the American here, really quick. Zach Smith. Uh, yeah. Want to go ahead and talk about him a little bit? You know, you say in your notes, it's time to talk about him as one of the best quarterbacks in the American. Even though he doesn't put up huge numbers, their offense doesn't call for that. I don't want to take away your steam. Have at it, Zach Smith. Yeah. So I think, and this is this this is you know. This is my opinion, and I don't want any fan bases to to get upset with me. But if you put Zach Smith and put him in any offense uh, in the in the American, uh, he's probably putting up just as big as numbers or close to as a Dylan Gabriel or Brady White, Shane Bouchelle, even Clayton Toon for U of H. You know, uh, I'm not saying that he is better than them, so to speak. But if he's in that style offense with the arm he has and the the, the type of passer he is, he's he's going to be very similar as far as numbers goes if he has those athletes to use and he's probably if you just put him shorts the helmet and nothing else and just went to you just watched him throw a throw some combine passes and, and go through the route tree he's probably the most impressive quarterback in the american just in that regard and obviously you don't you know have to play football with shorts but the offense that he runs is doesn't call for you know spreading the field and chucking it deep uh, you know, throughout the game, you know, they had 227 yards uh, rushing this past game and in, in their victory over USF. And, you know, they won 42 to 13, I think something along those lines. There wasn't a, a big need to, to throw the ball and they've got a good defense as well, which uh, I know all UCF fans know that from, from playing them. And so if he just takes care of the ball, makes the NFL throws he, he needs to make, then Tulsa's in a pretty good situation. But I just think it's time for us to give him a little love, uh, even though the numbers aren't necessarily where Dylan Gabriel real pretty white all those guys are uh that he's playing at a pretty high level uh for that offense and you know Tulsa relies on him in ways the same way that the other offenses in the American rely on their quarterbacks it's just shown differently if that makes sense because of the offense that they run yeah you know I mean that's a very that's a really uh good insight there definitely some things on Zach Smith and I think it's about time you have to especially given and I don't want to say the decrease in quarterback play, but you've had some great quarterbacks over the years graduating the American. And I think it's definitely time you got to kind of um, elevate him to that upper echelon. Cause when you think about quarterbacks, you're typically thinking about UCF quarterbacks, Houston, Brady white at Memphis, and that's about it. Right. So um, Zach Smith's name definitely kind of gets buried there. So definitely want to show him some love as we transition into conference USA. Definitely want to talk about some names that we haven't talked about here, but let's start with one that we have, uh, you know, a huge fan of uh, both of us are a huge fan of his play. Asher O'Hara. Nice to see him bounce back. And this is a, a situation, Steve, where, you know, and you can obviously touch on this with quarterback position. You're going to get the blame. Uh, you're going to, you're probably going to get too much blame when you lose and probably going to get too much credit when you win. I don't think any of us, and I don't know how many people who actively watch you, excuse me, MTSU football would have said Ash O'Hara was the problem for the first few weeks. 
But because he got most of the shine coming into the year, people who don't watch a ton of Blue Raider football will look at his numbers and say, oh, well, you know, he's having a rough year. That entire team was having a rough year. But especially coming off of the start that uh, that team had in general, that offense is really clicking and great game by him, you know, 24 to 33 for 333. Nice to see him throw a couple rushing touchdowns and a couple rushing yards in there as well. And they got to win. I mean, you know, as far as their chances to compete in the East, that's out of the window. Uh, that That's, you know, out of the equation, but definitely good to see the team bounce back in their two and five. So Steve, Asher O'Hara, what'd you see? Yeah. So the thing with, with Asher, we'll touch on, let's touch on the previous games first and, like, like you said, if someone is just a quote-unquote box score analyst, they might be like, okay, you know, I thought this guy was supposed to be good. He's having all these interceptions, yada, 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 whatever. And while, yes, a lot of those interceptions are are are, excuse me, are on him, uh, he had eight interceptions coming into this game, uh, it's the fact that Middle Tennessee relies on him. He's the center of not just the offense but, but the team essentially. And so if he doesn't take some chances and some risks – uh, then Middle Tennessee's chances of winning the game go down drastically. So that's just part of his game. And he did a great job this week not having any interceptions. And that was a, a huge reason why they won. Uh, but just to go back and, and give an example of, you know, how how uh, often Middle Tennessee relies on him, <clears throat> they've scored 21 total offensive touchdowns up to this point. And Asher O'Hara has accounted for 17 of them if you combine his rushing and his passing touchdowns. Um, and so I think he just – he has one of those abilities you just can't like put your finger on. It's like quote unquote it factor without trying to be cliche. And like, like he literally just like willed his team to win against rice. I know rice had that crazy field goal bounce all around, but just like Asher or hair willed that team to win. And uh, you know, he's one of the toughest quarterbacks in, in all of college football. So it's nice to see middle Tennessee kind of get a victory and hopefully maybe get a little, little winning stretch and they can still finish the season with a respectable record. Uh, but like you said, he gets too much of the blame. And honestly, probably not enough of the credit that he deserves whenever they do win. Uh, but I think the reason for those interceptions is him trying to do too much. And he, you know, played within himself this this past game against against Rice, who, you know, it's a tough physical team. No doubt about it. So let's go and transition into a Texas quarterback who we have not talked about a ton, Steve. Gavin Hardison. This is a guy who I've kind of hyped up on the Conference USA podcast. He's kind of fits the bill as your quarterback, right? You know, a guy 6'2", 205-pounder. Uh, Texas quarterback, if my memory serves me correct. Here's the thing that I like about him most. He's provided a lot of stability to that UTEP offense that over the past two years, whether it was Ryan Metz or Brandon Jones, Kyle Loxley was the primary starter over the past few years. They didn't really have. And Hardison looks to be someone who can make the throws when asked of him. His stat line, uh, Steve, I don't know if you saw the entire game there. It's going to have two picks. One of them was a miscommunication between the receiver. I believe it was Jacob Cowing, the receiver there. Uh, Charlotte DB Lance McMillan kind of picked off a pass that essentially was a punt because the uh, the UTEP receiver cut his route off and, and Hardison was going deep. So, you know, take the interception off of his stat line. But just what do you see from him and evaluate what you've seen from him so far throughout the season, his play last week against Charlotte? Yeah, I, th- I think you're right in the fact that, you know, the past few years with, with Loxley and Jones, like the passing game just really wasn't a factor. Yes, Loxley was a good athlete and he could hurt you with his legs, but as the record shows, it didn't really affect the outcome of the games. Uh, and so with Hardison, I think you have some stability. You have at least some uh, someone who's going to be able to complete passes. I would like to see his completion percentage get up a little bit. I don't know if that's the product of the style of offense that he runs, uh, but he's got a big arm, uh, which is something we've talked about in the past. So at the very least, 
the defenses they go against, you can't just stack the box to stop the run because you know there's a chance he can be thrown deep. So you have to at least take that consideration. So while he's not lighting up the scoreboard with crazy, you know, Mason Fine type numbers, if you will, he's doing enough to keep the defense honest where they can't just focus on on UTEP's good run game. And, you know, UTEP played Charlotte pretty close. You know, they what was lost by 10 points, you know. Um, that uh, my memory serves me correct. I might be wrong by that. I'll let you correct me. And then the weekend before, they lost by four against Louisiana Tech. So they're getting close. There's no moral victories. And I'm kind of bummed that, you know, they're not playing North Texas this week because uh, I, I think you'd be able to see him take even a better step against uh, a defense who, uh, you know, is struggling to, to say the least, uh, stopping stopping the opposing offense. So uh, I, I, it's good for Utah to have these steps, the quarterback position, have the stability and, you know, with, the more experience he gets, the better he'll, he'll, the better he will be. But I think his biggest thing is working on uh, accuracy to a bit, and that might not be on him. It might be on the receivers, like you talked about. But if they can get that completion percentage up and you know, not let the ball hit the ground quite as much, that's going to just not only help with the pass game, but help with the run game as well. Steve, as a thrower, what do you see from him? Dude, he's just a natural slinger, right? Like he's a, he can just sling the rock. Like he's got a, probably a power five arm. Uh, uh, very efficient as far as you know, uh, rotational force and, and, and producing that force, and he he just spins it. He's kind of got that gunslinger mentality, if you will, which is probably why he likes to chunk it deep so much uh, in in that offense. But he's a natural thrower, and he he can just spin it, man. And, and that's something UTEP hasn't had, like we talked about. Yeah, and forgive me, uh, he is not a Texas quarterback. I forgot he's the man from Hobbs, Mexico, a New Mexico quarterback out there making his waves. Another quarterback we want to talk about here is Florida Atlantic. They've got a quarterback situation. Nick Tronti is there. Apparently it has come out. I believe it was Kobe Price and the Sun Sentinel who wrote that they will be, I don't want to say experimenting, but they're going to look to try to work a couple more quarterbacks into rotation, just see what they have there. You know, Willie Taggart Jr. is on the roster as well. And look, this is a prime example, Steve, of just 2020 college football. I don't know if you caught this. Willie Taggart actually had to go in and take some reps at quarterback because of how shorthanded during practice, of how shorthanded they were. And uh, I don't mean Willie Taggart Jr., for, for the record. Yeah. So uh, I'm talking about the former Western Kentucky quarterback, Willie Taggart Sr., the head coach of FAU. So just given all that's going on with COVID and FAU has been apparently shorthanded to almost 30 to 35 players, take that into account with your analysis, but Nick Tronti overall, what do you see from him and just kind of that FAU offense? Yeah, good question. So I don't, it's hard, you know, to what they've had. They just played was Marshall was their second game. I believe they played. So yeah. So so they're one, they've only had two games and Tronti's it's only his second game as a starting quarterback. So I don't want to be too critical. You know, there, there's not a lot of deep shots taken downfield. Now in that offense, there it's a little more RPO-ish, if you will, than say what it was with Robinson last year. Uh, so I think, you know, the first game uh, FAU played when they played Charlotte, Tronti was able to use his legs a bit more, had some uh, rushing touchdowns. Uh, this game, you know, he, he didn't even have he had negative something yards rushing. I think a lot of that had to do with sacks, but still you would have liked to see his, his, his run game at least uh, complement the offense because the passing game wasn't going on. And not to mention Marshall probably has the best defense in Conference USA, so I don't want to be too critical. Uh, but I think this is definitely a, 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 uh, a, an example of what COVID can do when you are limited. I mean, you will know you, – you, you have – probably the, the more exact numbers of how many players that they have been able to practice with. But like you said, they had their head coach in there taking some reps at quarterback. So it's hard, hard to have any, um, you know, pr- uh, 
quality practice reps, if you will, if you're constantly subbing in and out with people who aren't going to play in the games. And so I, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt that the offense has been struggling. Yes, uh, even the game against Charlotte, it took them a, a little while to kind of get things going to the second half. So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But hopefully when they get more players in, the, the offense can take off. But, you know, it, there's there's no issue putting in another quarterback and just kind of seeing what happens, right? Like, uh, like I'm interested to see, like, if they put in Tiger Jr. And even next year they have their big Deion Sanders recruit. So I'm sure that's in the back of some quarterbacks' minds. So like you, like we talked about, just having more quality practice uh, hopefully will be able to help that offense move forward. Not so fast on young Shador Sanders making his way to FAU. As we all know, his father, Dion, is at Jackson State. That is a fluid situation. Uh, FAU fans probably don't want to hear me say that, but uh, that's that's the situation right now. Uh, let's talk about FIU and Western Kentucky. Two different angles we want to take here, Steve. One, let's start with the toppers. That offense has definitely, you know, I don't want to say regressed, but it's it's not as potent as it was last year. And granted, that wasn't a team that was driven by offense. That was more of a defensive team. They had uh, kind of similar to a UAB formula um, last year in terms of the sense that it was a solid running game. Ty Story would protect the football and make the throws that were there to guys like tight end Joshua Simon, receivers Lucky Jackson and Jacor Pearson. Now you fast forward to this year, Lucky Jackson graduated. Jacor Pearson chose to transfer after the first game of the year. And the only real receiving threat there is Joshua Simon as far as a big time, you know, proven receiving threat. Gage Walker at running back, even his numbers have slipped from last year to this year. This is the question I want to ask you, Steve. Do you think and, you know, it it could be a little bit of both, but just in your perspective, do you think the Western Kentucky offense as a whole is suffering because of the quarterback position? Or do you think the quarterback position is suffering because of the offense as a whole, so to speak? Yeah, so. I think, uh, well, I'll, I'll take the easy answer and say it's a little bit of both, but here's why. So last year when they had Ty Story, who was he was so successful, they asked him to do different things than what they're asking their quarterbacks to do now. So with uh, with Tyrell Pagrom, he's a much more athletic quarterback, so they've been able to use his legs a bit, a bit more this year. However, he is not the passer as far as uh, accuracy goes that Ty Story was. Ty Story took care of the football. He was a decent athlete, better athlete than people think, but he was not by no means looking to run unless he absolutely had to. He took care of the football. Uh, he had uh, you know, Bucky Jackson on the outside. He had some, some playmakers to get the ball to, which helped open up the running game. Compared to now, it's just like Pagrone didn't necessarily fit the offense that they were that they were running last year, and so they made the switch. They made the switch to to Thomas and he's a different style quarterback than Pagrome. He has a big arm. He's come over pack a pocket guy, but that wasn't working at all against Chattanooga. So the only reason they won was they put Pagrome back in. And I think his athleticism being able to move around uh, was, was what was able to eventually lead them to victory. So I just think they're kind of a, a mess and maybe trying to do too much. And hope, I think simplifying things might help that offense, uh, but they definitely have a situation on their hands, in the quarterback position, especially, you know, midway through the season now. Steve, really quick, and this is not to, you know, come down hard on Tyrell Pigrom, but this is just an indicator that if you look at the box score, you're not necessarily getting the whole story as far as the quarterback play is concerned. I'm going to read off Tyrell Pigram's numbers. 65 of 113, so that completion percentage is just shy of 58%. Not great, but seven touchdowns, no interceptions. You would look at that and say, oh, well, all right, you know, why are we trying to bench him? Just try to get him some more easy throws. Well, the thing is, as you mentioned, there have been some throws that Tyrell Pigram hasn't made. That's really not, you know, you can't see. And his box score is not necessarily indicative of the play, so to speak, on the field. 
Right. Yes, I, I agree with that. And with that said, though, I, I mean, I, he has looked. You know, Thomas has played, started one game, and has played half of the other two or so. I think Pagrom does give him the best chance to win. I don't know what your thoughts about that. Uh, but yeah, they, they definitely both need work. Joe, Joe. Well, wrong podcast. Sorry about that, Steve. <laughs> um, wrong podcast. CUSA, Steve. I'll try to say this as succinctly as possible, right? Without going off into a, like a, a long diatribe. I think, to be completely honest with you, if you're a team who you are not off to at least a 500 start, right, and you've played X amount of games requisite to the rest of your conference that give you a, a chance to compete. Listen, it's not an athlete's DNA to say we're going to lose. It's not an athlete's DNA to say we're going to give up. And, you know, these coaches owe it to the seniors and the kids who have been with these programs for four and five years to give them the best shot to win. Even though you don't have to leave, given the NCAA rule that this year won't count towards your eligibility, you don't have to leave this year. But overall, with that being said, I think this year, if you're a team that's not in a chance to compete for a division title, you got to get the young guys in. You know, I think Kavaris Thomas was the highest rated recruit in the history of Western Kentucky football. You can take the rest of this year and say, what do we have? I think this this year gives you, provided you have some stability with your coaching position, right? Because as long as we still judge you things on wins and losses, coaches are going to be trying to win. But with that being said, if you can get a chance to look at some young guys, I think, Joe, oh God, why, what am I doing, Steve? I'm staring right at you. That's a compliment. It's a compliment. Exactly. Steve, and, and, you know, I definitely want to give you a chance to kind of, you know, take 30 seconds on this answer, but I think you've got to evaluate as many young guys as possible, given it's not a health risk to your team. And we can talk about FIU in a second, come up to that. But why not take this year, get game action. I don't want to say use the actual games as spring practice, but if you're a team that didn't get a spring practice, use game action, take a look at some of these young guys and see what they can do. Yeah, I think I think you're starting to see that across some college football with, with teams struggling, and I think you do that while at the same time putting your team in the best position for success, whether that means right now or future success. I think that's up to the coach to decide what to shoot for. Uh, and I don't even know who you know Western Kentucky has behind Thomas. I don't know if David Shanley is still there or uh, or if they have a, a, a young freshman they want to see. Um, but, you know, I, I think you have to balance both because you want to win and you want to see what you have moving forward. I don't know. If, has Thomas has he been again given enough chances? I don't know. Uh, what's he like in practice? I don't know. Only coaches can, can decide that. So I think you have to balance the, yes, let's play for the future, while at the same time giving us the best chance to win as we're playing for the future. So let's transition to FIU in another situation where you got to ask, and this is the question I'm asking you, are FIU's offensive struggles, and that's a team that put up 38 points week one. Now, one of that, one of those touchdowns was a kick return from running back Flex Joseph. And then they put up, uh, my memory's uh, shot here, 27 points, I believe, against Middle Tennessee State week two. So it, they were able to put up points, uh, 28 points. Right, there we go. I got my game book right here. They put up 28 points against Middle Tennessee State. The offense was able to get going through week two, through the first two weeks, but Last week, uh, Steve, the numbers were bad to say the least. A 19-10 loss against Jacksonville State, only six first downs, uh, less than 150 yards of total offense. Is this something where you see that you know the opposing defenses are like, okay, the quarterback situation is not there. We don't believe the passing game can beat us. So we're going to key in on the run. Or do you think it's overall offensive struggles as a whole? And just to kind of give you some depth on that answer, 
Steve, it's never a good thing when last year's leading receiver and your starting left tackle, who's a potential pro, pro prospect, are watching the game from the first row of the student section. That's where FIU's left tackle D'Antoni Demery and Shamar Thornton wore to watch that game on Friday. Uh, they've been really besieged by injuries. So, Steve, I'll let you take it away at FIU. What do you see just as a whole offensively? Yeah, th- there's just not much going on right there, and I don't know whose fault necessarily that is. I'm sure there's uh, plenty of blame to go around. And If my memory serves correct, and you can jump in and, and, and correct me, um, FIU has been practicing with – uh, not a lot of players, right, from injuries to kind of COVID-related stuff. So uh, I want to say that's like a similar situation that FAU is in. Uh, so it's just hard to have real kind of pause momentum moving forward. So I think you're definitely seeing defenses uh, know that the passing game is not going to beat them, and it hasn't shown yet. So let's go and stop the run game and force the passer to beat us. And they just haven't been able to. I think they have some talented passers. I'm still high and still Norton. I, I think he – can develop. I think I would like to see the coaching staff just kind of roll with one quarterback. Like we talked about, it's hard to get in a groove and you're kind of changing in and out. I know they didn't change as much as they have in the past, this, this past game, but there were still some, uh, some switching in and out. So man, it's just, it's just one of those things where it's like, so for this past game, you know, in college we'd have, I'm sure you, you can recall this as well. You know, there's sometimes you just throw away the tape or you just get chewed out. And, you know, maybe this is one of those times where you just, throw away the tape and say, okay, let's start over. Let's move on to next week. Uh, so interesting to see how, how they come out and, and bounce back. However, I, their game got postponed this weekend, correct? Uh, uh, postponed, but they both teams, Marshall and FIU, do not have mutual open dates. So it doesn't look like this one is going to get in. It's real funny, Steve. I'm, I'm going to put on my uh, reporter hat here for a second. You know, I used the phrase throw away the tape to Butch Davis following last year's Middle Tennessee State game, 50 to 17. But said, no, nah, we're not throwing away the tape on this one or the same thing's going to happen to us again. So uh, I learned my lesson as far as using that phrase. Steve, really quick, I want to put you in the eyes and the shoes of a scout, right? Yeah. Um, just objectively speaking. What are you looking for from quarterbacks, specifically given the fact that we're in this COVID year, right? You talk about FIU, Bush Davis said post game last week or two weeks ago, excuse no, last week, uh, the, the days are running together, last Friday, that they were down almost 24 players, or I believe 24 exactly due to injuries or COVID, and they lost a few more last night. The reason this game was postponed was because, quite frankly, they don't have enough bodies to go out there. There's no reason that a Jacksonville State should be playing more players than FIU. If you look at the participation chart, Jacksonville State played 20 more players than FIU did. Steve, when trying to evaluate quarterbacks, right, let's say you're trying to evaluate Stone Norton. Given all of the wackiness around 2020, what are you looking for? Just, you know, if it's almost like, I don't want to say a skeleton team, but if you know in your head, they're down to true freshman or redshirt freshman receivers, a core, uh, a receiver who was a quarterback two months ago, you know, injuries here, injuries there, uh, backup offensive lineman. What are you looking for? Yeah. So I still think you evaluate somewhat similar. However, I think it's okay to put an asterisk there. There's nothing wrong putting an asterisk saying, okay, you still struggle with this or this didn't happen. However, these are potential reasons why. So the reason why he may be struggling might not be all on him. It might be because of a third string freshman offensive lineman. You have a practice squad receiver, whatever it may be. So I think if you're scouting, you scout with, with that in mind. Uh, and you, you, you still are, 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 you know, comparing him to what you want him to be and what he should be. However, you have to have those, those thoughts in mind whenever you truly are scouting. So I, I think it's still fair to, to say, you know, he's struggling with this, struggling with that. However, this receiver's missing, this receiver's missing, this receiver's missing, and right in, what would he look like if 
everyone was full that was you know was available to play. So uh, I think you can evaluate normally, but put that asterisk there, and uh, so there's kind of a happy medium. And it's not you know too critical. It's not just on him on why he's performing a certain way. Steve Hamner, the Mountain West Conference returned. I want to let you go and just do a brief you know run through. However you want to do it, whoever you want to pick up, have at it. The Mountain West, sir. Yeah, so one of my favorite conferences, uh, and I, I'll touch on a few guys real quick. First and foremost, uh, quarterback Sean Chambers for Wyoming tragically got hurt again. Very, uh, I don't know if it was the first play or the first series, but in the opening, uh, kind of in the first quarter, and he's bounced back from several knee injuries. He's a fantastic athlete, so we wish him a speed recovery. It's just kind of heartbreaking to see that happen. So it looks like Levi Williams will be the quarterback the rest of the way for Wyoming and they had a good game they Levi Williams battled back against Nevada that they end up losing in overtime to, to Carson Strong who is a guy we've talked about in the podcast in the past uh, Nevada quarterback 39 52 420 yards passing four TDs he looks slimmer to me like he just looks more athletic the ball jumps out of his hands and he, he's someone who could be you know NFL potential down the road someone to keep a mind on keep, keep your keep your eye on uh, Hank Bachmeyer from Boise State picked up where he left off 268 yards passing, three touchdowns, and a big win against Utah State. They had that game handily. They're up 28 nothing at one point. Uh, Nick Starkle got his first start for San, San Jose State, the former Texas A&M and Arkansas quarterback, uh, led them to, to a good win against Air Force. And then uh, Shevin Cordero, who I probably pronounced that wrong, he is a Hawaii quarterback who uh, replaced Cole McDonald uh this year and even played some last year when McDonald was there. Uh, he had 229 yards passing, 116 yards on the ground, two rushing touchdowns, uh, definitely a, a dual threat guy who the Mountain West will have to uh, watch out for this year. So a lot of good quarterback plays, so a lot of questions for the Mountain West and the quarterback position moving forward, but uh, definitely glad that conference is back and we'll be covering them more and more as, you know, there's more action in that conference. Steve, let's head on down to the Sun Belt. You know, we've talked about, Logan Bonner, Lane Hatcher for a few weeks on this podcast. We're going to take a break from there. Let's go and jump into Zach Thomas. You know, it's been a while since uh, we talked about App State and Zach Thomas. What did you see from him? Yeah, so I think in, in, uh, we've said this in the podcast. I've said this in the QB, QB Spotlight uh, article series for Earned Dog Dynasty that I think the Sun Belt uh, overall quarterback play has been super, super impressive, you know, with guys like Grayson McCall, Gunnar Watson, Cornelius Brown, uh, the Arkansas State duo. Like, So we've talked a lot about these solid quarterbacks, and Zach Thomas is someone we haven't talked about because they haven't played in nearly a month. However, he, you know, a few years ago was one of the co-offensive player of the year for the Sun Belt, and he, he reminded us that if we're going to have a conversation about best quarterback in the Sun Belt, he for sure needs to be in conversation for that. So, uh, so he, he just runs the offense so smoothly. They've had, you know, several different coaches since he's been there, but the offense remains similar. And so he picked up where he's left off and reminded everyone that, hey, I'm still around. I'm still one of the best guys. And as long as I'm the quarterback for App State, we're probably going to be the favorites to win this conference again. So he went 15 and 22 for 202 yards, four passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown, over 80 yards on the ground. And they, you know, took care of Arkansas State and, you know, won by 25 points. I think it was 42 to 17. So uh, good to see him back and uh, just kind of remind the whole conference, like, hey, I'm, I'm still around. Like, y'all can have y'all's fun. Y'all are good quarterbacks, but I'm, you know, I'm still the quarterback of the best team in the conference, essentially. No doubt about that. Let's go ahead and go into our week nine preview before we close this one up, Steve. I think a game to look at in the American, I know you do as well, Memphis and Cincy, UCF and Houston. Going to be a lot of points on the board there. What are you looking for from the quarterbacks in both of those games? 
So Memphis and Cincy, I'll, I'll touch on that first. So Memphis, you know, came out. Uh, they had a down game against Temple. Managed to still win by double digits. Uh, kind of a, a letdown position, but they still won after their big game against UCF. So uh, it's one of the best offenses in America against probably the best defense in America. So we're looking for Brady White to not turn the ball over. And same for Desmond Ritter. Whoever has the least amount of turnovers, you know, probably going to win. We'll keep it simple. UCF, U of H, man, I'm assuming it's going to be similar to the UCF-Memphis game. Uh, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of points. Uh, the defense is – probably going to struggle to say the least. Uh, U of H has some just dudes at the receiver position, just like UCF does. UCF has the advantage at the quarterback position. However, Clayton Toon can definitely hold his own. Uh, he's not able to push the ball as much as Dylan Gabriel is, as Dylan Gabriel, Gabriel is, excuse me, but he still is one of the better quarterbacks that probably not a lot of people know about. So definitely a lot of points to look for in both those games, especially UCF, U of H. Steve, in the Mountain West, what do you have for us? So Colorado State playing Fresno State, I believe this Friday night, uh, Colorado State got game got pe- postponed. So they're either going to be starting uh, Patrick O'Brien, I believe, or Todd Cincio, who's a transfer from Temple, who was actually a Florida kid uh, out of high school. And <clears throat> so we'll, we'll see who's there. Patrick O'Brien started all the games last year due to an injured Colin Hill. So I expect him to, whoever's at the quarterback position, I expect to have some success. And uh, Jake I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. Hunter Hainer, uh, a Washington transfer for Fresno State, started last week, had three interceptions in their loss to uh, Hawaii, excuse me. So we'll see yeah. if he comes back. And then uh, Hawaii versus Wyoming. I find this interesting because the quarterback we talked about for Hawaii, uh, dual threat guy, and they're coming from Hawaii to play in Wyoming. And it's pretty cold, Wyoming, this type of the year, a lot of wind. So we'll see that offense can still kind of fly high against. The, the Wyoming tough defense and the cold weather and, and, and the wind that we see. Head down to the Sun Belt, ULL, Louisiana, coming off a big interconference, excuse me, um, uh, um, out of conference win, excuse me, against UAB. They're taking on Texas State. What are you looking for there? So Levi Lewis, you know, he, he still hasn't just. He's had some good plays, but I'm looking for him to kind of take over the game. They might not need to with the run run, run attack uh, that, that they have. So looking for Levi Lewis to take that next step as, you know, the, the great year he had last year. I'm looking to kind of see that uh, this game. Then Texas State, Brady McBride looking to limit turnovers. Uh, Coach Spavadol came out and said this week, you know, that most of his turnovers have been on the run trying to trying to do too much. So if he can play within himself, you know, who knows? Maybe they have a shot against Louisiana. Texas State's definitely a, uh, an improved ball club. And, you know, the wins haven't necessarily shown that yet. So uh, they might be trying to get Louisiana slipping, especially after – Louisiana had that big game and beat UAB at home. UAB's first loss since I think the, the program shut down. So should be a better game than most people probably think in the Sun Belt, but definitely looking forward to both quarterbacks. As we finish up with Conference USA, a couple games you can take a look at. Let's start with Charlotte and Duke. Um, what are you looking for from Chris Reynolds? Yeah, so I think this Charlotte has a legit chance to upset Duke. Duke's not a great uh, ACC team. So uh, I, I want to, I still want to see Reynolds get his legs going though. That's something we haven't seen as much. as I, I thought we would this year. Like he had over 700 yards rushing last year. So I want to see his legs get involved a bit more. You know what? It's funny you say that. Cause I'm of the belief, uh, you know, outside of chase Bryce, I'm of the belief that Charlotte really has a legit shot. I'm surprised that one is not on one of the major ESPNs. It is on ESPN three as we transition into 
Uh, Southern Miss. We want to talk about Tate Watley a little bit. Them, uh, they are hosting Rice. What are you looking for from Mike Collins? And then we don't know what the quarterback situation will be with Jack Abraham. He did not make the trip. So uh, whether it's him or Tate Watley, but talk, talk about Tate Watley a little bit because we got a special special request to talk about him. Yes, yeah, so we got we got a question for Tate Watley. He's someone who played for Abraham uh, two years ago when Abraham was hurt a little bit and uh, wasn't. I, I didn't see much as a passer from him just because there was limited uh, limited you know film those two years ago. Uh, so that was kind of limited. However, he was a good athlete, and you know he was able to complete the balls he needed to complete. But he showed he was a good athlete against Liberty. He had four touchdowns on the ground. Uh, but you definitely want to see the pass game kind of get going. Uh, maybe. You know, I think Rice's defense is still up in the air, so I don't know what to expect. Uh, whenever Southern Miss got beat by Liberty this, this past week, but whenever they came close, Liberty kind of pulled away, and Southern Miss needed to rely on the pass game to get back into it, which they couldn't. So I want to see the pass game kind of take off a bit more from Watley. However, he's a good enough athlete to keep you in the game. Then Mike Collins started, had a rough start to the game, but finished with four touchdown passes, and they threw the ball over 30-something times, which I'm sure Rice does not want to do again. So – but that was encouraging if you're a Rice fan. No, okay, he started rough. We had to throw over 30-something times, and you know it was, we still had a chance to – we still forced overtime and quote-unquote should have won, depending on your thoughts on the kick um, against Mill, Tennessee. So looking for more game exposure for both of them if Watley you know, does uh, indeed start uh, with Abraham out. We'll see you this week. And let's go on and finish off the slate, Steve, here with UTSA heading to Boca Raton, tentatively slated to go to Boca Raton to take on the Owls. Frank Harris. Um, we talked about Nick trying a little bit, so I want to focus on Frank Harris here. We know what he can do as a dual threat, but he did turn the ball over twice last week. What are your thoughts on him coming back and kind of reassuming that starting role? Yeah, so I think, I think you know, UTSA is by far in the best position as far as quarterback goes. They've been the past few years. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say it because the injuries that have happened – uh, but the fact that, you know, they've had three guys play and three guys have done, you know, uh, above average, if you will. So we definitely want to see the passing game continue to improve for Frank Harris. Like you said, dynamic athlete. They got one of the best running backs in Conference USA who was big time in their comeback win against Louisiana Tech this past weekend. And side note, what a huge win for that for UTSA program. Um, so uh, if they could beat FAU, FAU this weekend, then that would be – huge uh you, you want to see the run game get going which i think it will and then if they can comp- complete some deep shots and take a few more deep shots downfield and just kind of uh small deacon dunks that that they've done some with frank harris at quarterback i think that's going to open, open up the field more but let's start the game off with some easy completions get frank harris in the rhythm and uh, you know see if they can uh mo- ride the momentum from this past uh victory against weekend type all right, let's go ahead and finish one up. This is all we got for you as far as week eight heading into week nine. As always, you can find the QB Spotlight podcast on Twitter at QB Spotlight. You can find it online at podcast.apple.com. Just search QB Spotlight. You can find me on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore. And last but certainly not least, the man, the myth, the legend, the guru himself, Stephen Hamner. You can find him on Twitter at Stephen, S-T-E-V-E-N, Hamner, H-A-M-N-E-R. Thank you for listening. Happy football watching, everybody. And we'll be back with week nine heading into week 10.